sick. My regular glasses, my dog ate this week. Those new glasses I just got, yep, the dog is now dead. <laughs> He's not dead on live stream. Please don't file complaints. I'm joking. All right. He's just severely injured. He's not. Just kidding. Stop. Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse number 1. It says, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet, but trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, which thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as, a as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. When thou hast shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men not their, for, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the message. Lord, I praise you control what I say and how I say it. Lord, please work. Lord, I pray for your mercy, your grace, and your help. Lord, may this draw us closer to you. May you use it to meet needs in our life. Lord, use it to strengthen us. May you be glorified and honored. And Lord, if there's anyone here who has never truly been converted, Lord, we certainly do pray that even this evening they'd repent and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. The Sermon on the Mount is, of course, it's... it's I think by far the most incredible sermon that we have in Scripture. Near the beginning of Christ's ministry, this takes place. And he takes, we have it recorded in three chapters. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew chapter 7. 
And in this time frame, the truth that Christ gives is, really is incredible. And as he's going through, he's also deconstructing the pseudo-Judaism that has been formed at this time. He's showing, exposing the errors, the false teaching of it, what's wrong with it. The people are hearing this. And when we get into Matthew chapter 6, he really gets to get very specific with it. He's dealing with, we're going to look at, the, at these, I'll probably, I'm, I'm probably going to stay in this section for a little bit right here. I'm going to cover all these 18 verses and then probably begin to break it down a little bit. And right here, he's dealing with primarily the sin of hypocrisy. We're going to, we're going to look at this, how he's dealing with um, our actions towards others, our actions towards God, and our actions with ourselves. So manward, Godward, and selfward. Now, all the areas that Jesus is dealing with in these first 18 verses, he says, when you do these things. The, the things that Christ is going to be dealing with, they're not a sin to do. They're things that God expects us to do. He's dealing with the motive behind him. The importance of avoiding hypocrisy. It's important why we do the things that we do. This is given as a warning as he starts off. I mean, we live in a day when we, we think if we just do this and this, and we, we have this, this presupposition in mind that if we just do these things, we're fine and we're spiritual. If we pray, if we attend church, if we do these things, we're going to be spiritual. Christ is going to show how even the devil can get into the, 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 the dearest disciplines of our life with our walk with God and completely uh, dilute it. And that delusion starts with our motivation. We need to ask ourselves why we do what we do, especially when it comes to our walk before God. Hypocrisy is a major problem. So we're going to look at these three areas here this evening. First off, dealing uh, with our walk, and our walk primarily in the first section here, dealing with before others. Look at the very first verse here. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. These verses are going to focus on not being a hypocrite. Not simply doing things to be seen of men. In other words, not playing church. Not just doing things because mom and dad are present. Not just doing things because you're going to get recognition for it. Because it's the danger we have. I mean, there's nothing wrong necessarily with being recognized. It's when that becomes the motivation. We like, to, we like to render honor unto whom honor is due. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes in in our sinful nature when all of a sudden that becomes the motivation. There's a danger there. The Lord never wants us to serve to get recognition before men. Yet we saw that when I began serving the Lord, I, of course, I was, I was still growing. I, I did not recognize it when I saw it at all. But looking back, you really can't see how, it, how this was creeping into our churches. I would get, and I, and I still like it, the sword of the Lord. But you could actually see in there where motivations were off, where people were doing things to be seen of men. We wanted things for reward. We wanted to notice that's a danger that we have. Because the reality is, we walk by faith. None of us have seen God, but we see each other every day. 
And when our faith is small, and just because you're working much does not mean you have great faith. But it takes great faith to recognize that your work is simply, only thing you care about is to be seen of God, not of men. The Lord is constantly seeking something that's real, something that's genuine, something that's authentic. If you go back and you get into books like Amos, Isaiah, one of the Lord's major problems with why he was sending judgment was simply because of hypocrisy. He would say, you have your feasts, you have your assemblies, but I want none of it. I don't want to hear the songs. I don't want the sacrifices. Because he knew the reason behind it. This applies to us. The Pharisees of Christ's day were master hypocrites. They were great, as we, I think I might look at next week a little bit more, at giving honor with their lips before God, but their heart was so far from Him. Lips, they praised God, but their motives were selfish. It was about pride, it was about power. And they were using God's service to that end. And he, he, Christ, in the first 18 verses, when he's going after hypocrisy, he gives great truth for each of these areas individual. But in the first 18 verses, he deals with hypocrisy in alms or righteous acts, as we're going to see, he deals with giving, with praying, and with fasting. Because he knew in that day, it was such a tremendous problem of hypocrisy in those areas. The first four verses... Deal with our walk before others. The giving. Let's look at him. Starting in verse 2. He says, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy right hand know what thy, uh, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, which thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. These verses do deal with righteous acts. Alms, is, it, it does refer to giving specifically. Giving to the poor. Being a help to others. And he's covering why you do these things. These are things that we need to do. But you have to guard your motivation. The purpose should never be to be seen of men. It should always be to glorify God. Some people like to say there's a contradiction here. Because it, Christ talks about, um, take heed that you do not your alms before men. Yet in chapter 5, in the same sermon, he talked about, uh, let your light so shine before men. He says, well, in chapter 5, he said, we are to have righteous acts before men. But in chapter 6, he said, we're not. No, you're missing, you're missing the entire point here. We will have righteous acts before men. In chapter 5, he's dealing with an entire different sin than he is in chapter 6. In chapter 5, he's dealing with the sin of cowardice. In chapter 6, he's dealing with the sin of hypocrisy. You have those who aren't willing to be the light before the world. It, the difference here is the motivation. A.B. Bruce put it like this when describing chapter 5 and chapter 6 between being the light of the world. And did not let your alms be seen before men, not doing righteous acts before men. He said this, we are to, sh we are to show when tempted, uh, excuse me, we are to show when tempted to hide, and we are to hide when tempted to show. Let me, let me read that again. He brings out a great point. 
Again, he's comparing basically Matthew 5.14 with Matthew 6.1 and 2. He says, we are to show when tempted to hide. We are to hide when tempted to show. He's dealing with motive. Why you do what you do. Listen, the devil is great at getting you to change your motive. He knows we're in church. He knows we're, we're, we're trying to be religious, if you will. If he can corrupt it, he will. So be on guard. Check yourself of why you do what you do. <clears throat> the phrase, even in chapter 6, has the idea of, as Christ was laying it out, to be seen of men. It's not about being righteous and to serve so that men will glorify us. So guard against it. It's a temptation we all can fall to. Always make sure that your service before God does not become about you. But it remains about God. That it's not trying to receive the glory of men. Once the devil has that motivation. You see, when we see sin at church, we can see that the drug addict or, or, or the drunk... And, and we look at sin in that light, we can see it as wicked and sinful. But we fail to see how easy it is to have such a wicked, sinful heart right here in the church house. By the way that you pray, or why you teach, or why you do what you do. I think a good example of somebody who did the righteous acts in helping somebody else that had nothing to do with what others thought would be the Good Samaritan. It wasn't about what others were going to see. Something about doing right. Then he gets into not only manward but Godward. <clears throat> he says, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter thou into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetition, as the heathen do, for they think they shall, uh, shall, they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And then he gets into outline on teaching us how to pray. So now he, he was just dealing with our acts before men. Now he's dealing with prayer, which is something between you and God. But how even that can get perverted in your life. He's getting into different self-disciplines, and one of the most important ones, that of prayer. If the only time you pray is before men, it really shows who your true audience is. Your secret prayer life is so much more important than your public prayer life. He gets into a common problems of the day that were taking place with their prayer life. Vain repetition. Much speaking. I remember growing up in the Catholic Church and we were given repetitious prayers to say. Um... And uh, from, di from different ones to pray unto God, whether it was our, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, and, or Hail Marys. It was just vain repetition. Christ is pointing out dangers here. And where they were taking these from was the pagan religions, 
which have which would have the different um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for incantations the the uh, uh, how they I can't think of the word for it right now. But how they would pray. It was, it was common in pagan religions, this vain repetition that you would say, oh, chanting. That's what I'm looking for, the word chanting. And that was coming into Judaism. They were pulling from paganism and putting it inside uh, what was supposed to be about God. And when, this, when, you, when you begin to take what was happening in Israel with the pseudo-Judaism, was their prayers were becoming ritualistic. It was losing the heart. It was more worried about how you were praying, the words you were saying, than the God you were praying to. It was as if they were trying to develop a formula. That's not how that works before God. It was losing the heart. They were putting stock in long prayers as more spiritual. What God looks at is your heart before your prayer. Sometimes those prayers are going to be long. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it might just be one word, help. Again, we can get so concerned about the words of our prayer and how we're praying instead of the God that we're praying to. Notice what Christ said. Christ said they love to pray. They just love to pray before men. And that word for streets there changes by. It speaks of wide. In other words, it wasn't uncommon in Israel at this time to see people praying in the street. They had three-step prayer times. And so, and, and so if one of those prayer times happened, it, you weren't at the synagogue, you weren't at the temple, many times it was common to see them stop and pray. It wasn't that that was necessary. And, and I think the key is, is where he changes the word street here to mean a wide intersection. In other words, what they're doing is, you've got people that's going to be hanging out, some of the Pharisees, where the most of the people are, it's almost time for the prayer time. They, they can't wait. Who's going to get to hear me pray? You know, they wanted the audience. They simply wanted people to see it. It wasn't about God, it was about them. They were hypocrites. Listen, sin defiles even our deepest devotions. The devil will want, will want to attack that private time with God. He'll want to attack your service before God for others. He wants to corrupt it. Listen, if he can't get you drunk in a bar, he'll do his best to change your motive for your service. Sin defiles. Don't think the devil just has one way to defile you. So he deals with the importance of being careful with your service before others and guarding against hypocrisy. And then guarding your own walk with God to make sure it's simply about God. Don't let something that's supposed to be precious, that communion with God, and let the devil come in and corrupt it and destroy it in your life where it just becomes about a show. And then in the last several verses, he deals with our walk with self. He deals with fasting. He says, moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a, of a, uh, of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. 
A fast is something that's dealing with your own self, self-word. That's what it's supposed to be about. This is another one of those self-disciplines. Listen, biblical fasting, let's, let's define that a little bit, is not about a diet to get your body looking good. I mean, you can go into a bookstore right now and find plenty of books about fasting for a diet method. If somebody chooses to do that, I'm not saying that's sin, but biblical fasting, I'm saying, that's not what it was about. I'm not saying it's wrong if you choose a method of that to, to lose weight, but I'm telling you, biblical fasting, that's not what it's about. And you can see, you can see some t- can take it so far when it comes to this thing of fasting and not eating, it even, be- it, it even becomes a, a, a sin to their own body. But I remember in middle school, I, I, I remember this girl that we had that suffered from anorexia. And, and th- that's not about food. That's about what she's thinking and what she sees when she looks in a mirror that isn't right. There's a genuine mental aversion to eating that needs to be overcome. So there's different motivations of why people fast. You have to be careful with fasting that you don't become superstitious with it. Thinking, okay, this is going to make me super spiritual. In Scripture, we only have one commanded fast. We see it a lot. But there's only one commanded fast, the Day of Atonement. That was it, Leviticus 16, from morning till evening. And, and it was connected with the confession of sin, a humbling. There is no command in the New Testament to fast. We see it. By the time of Christ's day, though, when Christ is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Jews all kind of fast. If you remember, like one of them, uh, um, with the publican, I fast twice in the week. They had the second and the fifth day was their common fast days. Well, they claimed it was, it's funny because Christ is addressing them. They claimed that was because the day that Moses went up to the mountain and came down on the mount, the second and fifth day, so they fast one day. But it just so happened that the second and fifth day were also the busiest days in the market. Most people were around. So they tried to connect it spiritually again because the service was simply about before men. They were taking a spiritual discipline that God does use. But they were making it about a show. Listen, the fact is we like to look spiritual. And you can develop this false religion in your own heart where it's just about this. And not about God. What fasting is, of course, let's define it a little bit. It gets, it gets a many different meanings today when you look at it. The word simply means a total abstinence of food. I remember I had it wrong. I was in Saudi Arabia and I decided to, I was going to do different fasting time. Frame. I decided like a knucklehead to do not really an extended fast, but several days. But I'm still growing in my faith. I'm 20, 21 years old at the time and growing and learning. And I, I knew this scene of fasting. I heard it preached about, but I didn't really study it. So I thought you stopped everything, including water. I'm in Saudi Arabia. It did not go well. 
I realized I have to include water. But it means a total denial of food. Even the Greek word means not to eat. It is an act of self-denial. It's not the end of itself. Scripturally, we always see when it's done right, a spiritual purpose behind it. Every time. This certainly is going to be exhaustive. This sermon tonight is just designed to get you to see where Christ is saying, listen, there's areas you need to avoid hypocrisy that you're going to get attacked. When you're serving before others, even before your own life before God, and even within disciplines with yourself like fasting, avoid hypocrisy. Don't use those for some carnal end based on your pride about self. But scripturally, here's some common things we see in the Bible why people fasted. We see it often in Scripture when sorrow hits. When there's a deep hurt, we see people going to fasting. You can see it when Nehemiah found found out about the walls all broken down and not being rebuilt in Jerusalem. It broke him and he fasted. When Bathsheba's baby was born, David's child, but there was a sickness that could be unto death, which ended up being unto death, and David fasted. Many of us can relate to that. When you're going through a trying experience, you just don't even want food. You don't even want it. So many times when sorrow hits in Scripture, you see people fasting. Or... Often we see it in scripture number two, when somebody really needs God's help. You see it, protection. Esther. Remember when she was going to go before the king. The people found out what they do. They fasted. Or when Jehoshaphat had the Moabites and the Ammonites coming coming against him. What he did, he fasted. It's not that it was based on a command. It was based on the spiritual need that was present. And so it it was a choice of the heart to choose self-denial simply to get a hold of God. We also see it in Scripture in connection with sin to get help in overcoming sin, such as in the Day of Atonement. A humbling, a humiliation, a confession, uh, of a point, really, you see, where it's being just so overwhelmed by sin. You just had enough. And you let go of self and turn to God. Lord, I need you. You see it then. It was always something with a genuine spiritual purpose. It's not commanded. It's a choice that you make in your heart. I believe it should take place because the Lord said, when you fast. I believe there should be times in your life that you do fast. But I don't even know. I I had, they no longer attend here. This might have been the the very reason why the person left. It was just about the last serve. They came to me and let me know this big fast. And then he said, listen, I think we should call the whole church to it. And I said, no, brother. I said, well, that fast is between you and God. I'm not going to do that. It's between you and the Lord. Don't get into the show of it. Like the Pharisees, 
what's funny is the Pharisees, when they fasted, it wasn't an extended one. I've, I've never done a, a, a really long one. Your story is really good. Was it juice you had after your extended fast the one time? You went to drink some orange juice after it had ended. And yeah, that doesn't go well. It doesn't. And Pharisees, uh, um, they fasted twice a week from morning till evening. Let's face it, that's not a big deal. I mean, how often do we get going throughout the day and I don't remember to eat till night? I'm like, good, i got a day of fasting. And how about that? I'm spiritual today. Yes. It's just like I'm going to pray all night and I'll fall asleep and I wake up at 6 a.m. I'm like, yes, prayed all night. <laughs> See, when I used to hear those preachers of old say they'd pray all night and say, I don't even know what I prayed. That's because you fell asleep. <laughs> The Pharisees, of course, were doing it just to show how spiritual they were. It never benefited them. And you can see by how corrupt they were. I mean, you see, this is the religious leaders of the nation. You can see how, because there was no genuine foundation, that when the Messiah was before them, they missed it. Think of what you're missing because of the fake religion you've built in your heart. That you can sit here in this church and even hear truth over and over and over, and you miss it. Because it's not what you're seeking. You're seeking, okay, where can I... What can, what, what can I do? Oh, not, not to honor God. It's just too much about you. Again, the Pharisees did it just simply for a show. Again, we have to be careful with those spiritual disciplines that we don't turn them into a show for others. To show that, boy, we are close to God... Because in reality, that demonstrates how far away from God you are. As the Lord said, you fast in secret so no one knows. You do it for the Lord. Listen, hypocrisy, which I think I'm going to continue into this next week, it is certainly something we need to avoid, something we all run the danger of. The devil is great at using the pride of life. This is one of the bases of hypocrisy, is the pride of life. He has those primary three areas that he, that he can bring so many different avenues in attacking us. You have to be on guard against it. You do understand that the Pharisees do not believe they are hypocrites. You do understand that they actually believe they're right with God. Just like James chapter 1 teaches us, you can deceive your own heart. You have to constantly be praying before God, Lord, search my heart, try me. Show me. See, the danger is many times we're not willing to hear that answer. We stay willingly ignorant. There's a cycle we have to watch out for. Let's say you're, you're serving and you have the desire for it, and that's right. You have a desire to sing in the choir, to sing specials, to teach a class. That's a good thing. You should desire to serve the Lord. Keep the motivation in check. Here's where the danger can come into play. Life can be wearisome, troublesome at times. You have different things that come up and there's different things hitting you in life and yet you're still serving. Not that you shouldn't be, but all of a sudden there comes a time frame where the desire isn't necessarily there and you're serving out of duty. 
that always has to be, you've got to get back to the place of desire out of love for it. Allowing love to constrain you and not duty to constrain you. If duty is constraining, you should always allow that to be a limited amount of time that you get back to your love for it. Because here's the danger if you don't deal with that right. When all of a sudden that ministry, what you're doing, becomes a duty to you, you're one step away from going from desire, duty, to display. Where now your new motivation to keep going, because duty gets old real quick, it becomes about a display. You've now entered hypocrisy. The motivation is not right for what you're doing. It becomes about display. Avoid that cycle. You ask yourself, would I be doing this if nobody else would ever know about it? And, and there's different times that, you know, I, I see that around church. I see people doing that around church all the time. It always makes me smile. People being here doing stuff, serving, cleaning spots off the carpet, working outside. I know many have worked all day, come on in here and start doing something around the church. Never ask for one word of recognition. And many times, I, don't, I think, don't get me wrong, it's not say wrong if, if I do that, but I know the Lord's going to reward them greatly. Because the motive is so right. Some who are in hypocrisy, of course, we can go to Matthew, I'm not going to for time's sake here, but Matthew 25, many just need to get saved. Matthew chapter 25, and I can tie that in with the parable of the ten virgins. But for most of us who are saved, it comes down to our faith and wanting a genuine realness of God in our life. Because here's the reality of it. God sees everything you do. Remember I mentioned in the introduction, faith ties into this. The greater faith that we have, the less prone we are to hypocrisy. Because where we can draw a sense of reward from is knowing the Lord knows. He does. The creator of the universe sees everything that you're doing. That's just not the bad. That's how we use that. But every good little thing that you're doing, he sees it. He knows about it. Just to have that realness of God. That helps present, prevent excuse me, hypocrisy. Listen, remember this. As Christ mentioned, he kept on saying, listen, they have the reward. They have the reward. That's all they get. The people walking by, oh, look, there's a Pharisee. How spiritual. Boom, reward's over with. But you don't want that when you stand before Christ. You know what that means? For those who are genuinely saved and they stand before Christ and the motive was wrong, know what happens to your works? It was wood, hay, and stubble. And you stand before him, the creator of the universe, who died for you, knowing that your service before him, you made it about you. You're going to see those nail-scarred hands right there. You're going to see it. The creator of the universe who died for you. And you're going to know, when I chose to serve you, I did it for me. That's not the reward you want. You want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Like I, I've said before, there's going to be multitudes that when we get to heaven, they're going to be the rewarded ones that are just going to surprise us. Because nobody knew. Because nobody knew.
So listen, the pay is much better when you do it for the Lord. Much better. And it's in this also that will help you greatly to live a very consistent Christian life. Instead of the massive roller coaster, those hills will become much smaller in your life. And another thing for us parents that will help you greatly, this is one of the keys to helping your children turn out right and serving the Lord. It is. Because they don't see mom and dad one way in church and another way at home. They see something that's genuine and real. That's what they need to see. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Now let me ask this question. If you're here right now, you are not certain that, if you, that when you die that you're going to go to heaven or death finds you tonight. You don't know that you're going to go to heaven. Maybe this thing of salvation has been bothering you. You say, Pastor, please, I need help with this. I need you to pray for me. I don't know what's going to happen to me when I die. Please pray for me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and let me see it? Anybody here like that at all, just raise your hand and let me see it. See, a couple of small children is all I see. Anybody? All right, Christian. These are sermons like this that Christ is getting into in the Sermon Mount. Something all, that's why it's in the Word of God. The Lord knows who we are and what's in our heart, what we're prone to. He has it because He loves us and He's trying to protect us, to remind us, to keep it about Him. So ask yourself, why do you do what you do? If the Lord worked on your heart, you come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation, Lord. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Page 449. And if you need to come